We got a Black Hawk down. We got a Black Hawk down. 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 Good Trash Genre Cast. So, dead? That's fine. How about alive? Hmm? You want to know? Look at these scars. Can you spell it? D-J-A-N-G-O. The D is silent. I have got to give me one of these. Luke, you're a wolf. What are these? What are you doing with these? Okay, I get it. I don't know. Who gave you these? Who taught you about these? I learned it from you, okay? I learned it from watching you! Leads. We can kill it. It's your last chance to walk away. Are you kidding? It's five against one. It's two against one. How do you figure? Once I take out the leader, which is you, I'll have to contend with one or two enthusiastic wingmen. The last two guys, I always win. Are you, uh, you done this before? It's getting late. Remember, you wanted this. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where a group of people gather around a table to talk about movies you will never talk about inside a film studies course. And tonight, the Good Trash once again went to the talkies, and we saw the new Sony TriStar Robert Zemeckis film, The Walk. It's a psychological horror film about a girl having to go home in the morning after a night of passionate lovemaking with her ex-boyfriend. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, I'm very proud that walk. you pulled that one out. It's and, turned into the walk of shame really quickly. <laughs> yeah. And so, but before we get, begin, we need to make some introductions. And so we'll go around the table to my right, if you will, ma'am. My name is Alexander Bohannon, and uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt has a pretty fun French accent in this film. That's true. I was worried at first. I was worried. In the I opening. was extremely worried. concerned. I yeah. was concerned. Oh. I was like, oh, "Yeah, I French. I speak with the French accent." He's got put the little mustache finger above his. Uh, face. Yeah. 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 All right. Very good. To my left, if you would, sir. Hi, my name is Caleb Masters, and I just thought if if I just stripped down naked and had more bare surface, <laughs> I, I, I'd be able to, to feel the arrow in the air. The struggle uh, the is podcast, real. The podcast, the struggle. Yeah. The struggle is real, people. And I am Arthur Gordon, and aren't all podcasters anarchists? Yes. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. Or yeah. frogs, according to the policeman in this film. <laughs> there are a lot of frogs, a lot of, a lot of slurring of the French. Yeah, the like, French people. lots of people bagging on the French. <laughs> well, I just like how the, the one guy, when he gets caught, his defense is, I'm French! I'm French! I'm French! I'm French. <laughs> Don't touch me! Uh, before we begin, we need a synopsis from the voice of the cinema, if you will, voice of the cinema. In 1974, Highwire artist Philippe Petit recruits a team of people to help him realize his dream to walk the immense void between the world trade center towers. That's that's exactly how it happened. That's how it happened. Yeah. That was a, that was a step up from a Dar theater voice this time. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've we moved into uh, I don't I don't. Uh, Matinee. 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 Matinee.
Yeah, um, Immense Void. That's actually taken from the film. Like, he calls it the invent- Immense Void several times. It's a pretty good synopsis, I, I would say. Good job, IMDb. Yeah. All right, well, uh, dear listener, if you were tuning in, this is a bonus episode, and we're going to be doing things just slightly different tonight. Uh, we will be doing a kind of review slash analysis just to give you some thoughts on this new movie that is about to drop uh, in IMAX on October 2nd and everywhere October 9th, I believe, is the dates. And so go check that out if you want to. Uh, we begin with our review slash analysis with Miss Alexander Bohannon. All right. Well, this uh, this film is fun. I, um, I would say strongly I think you should go see it in IMAX if you're going to see it. IMAX, big screen, do it is probably worth it. However, caveat, do not go see it in IMAX, big screen, whatever, if you're having height, if you have height anxiety, because that is, I mean, they use the IMAX to its fullest effect. I haven't seen Everest, um, which is, I guess, the most recent comparison of, oh, crazy people doing crazy things, and look, IMAX. Um, But if you have any trepidation about heights, uh, consider that before coming into the film, because it might just be like, a, a group tense experience, which uh, I, I felt that, like, you know, the the audience is very tense throughout, um, and that was kind of palpable, actually, in some ways. Um, in terms of rev- uh, other review, I, I didn't like the framing piece of uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt talking as uh, Philippe, and I hated that. I thought it was really cheesy, and I can't believe that that actually got done. Like, he's breaking the fourth wall and is on the Statue of Liberty talking directly to me. That's so weird. Like, we couldn't have just thought of, like, a creative way of, like, child of mine, let me tell you a story of when I scaled these fine towers that don't exist anymore. (laughs) Like, maybe that's what they're trying to avoid? I don't know. But that just made me so... um, I just didn't like that choice at all. Um, Performance-wise, I think everyone did really solidly... Um, they, the, I was concerned about the French. I'm sure you guys were also yes. concerned yes. about his, Extremely. his accent, uh, seeing if it would be good or not, but I think it held up for the most part. There are a couple slippy places, I think, but, um, for, I don't want to keep talking on about this movie. I want to give, uh, co-hosts things to say as well, but I will say that this film has some interesting stuff to say about, um, nationality specifically, I'd say. Um, Americans versus, uh, specifically French. French is basically the other, uh, major nationality discussed in the, f- in the film. And, um, for, on the American side, you see the portrayal of those two tourists that are, like, really Texan, um, in Paris, and then you go over to America, and basically every portrayal of Americans is kind of, like, I'd say that neutral, leaning negative to extremely negative, uh, with the police kind of being the, um, you know, the far outliers. But everyone's not really, nobody's trying to help him, no one's trying to give him aid or anything like that. And maybe this is a critique on, you know, America's kind of been this kind of isolationist type leaning country for so long and like, foreign policy dealings and things like that. Um, you know, not not as willing you know, in some ways to lend a hand. And that's really interesting. And then at the very end, so we have these negative portrayal of American, um, kind of neutral to negative portrayal of Americans um, throughout the film. And then we have this weird fetishization of the World Trade Center towers, which in a post 9-11 society makes me, makes probably everyone feel a little like, huh, if they're thinking, you know, because she's like, oh, you gave the, the towers a soul, 
And, and it's never discussed in the film explicitly. The World Trade Center doesn't exist. Because whenever he's talking on the Statue of Liberty's, like, observation deck, you see the World Trade Center towers. It's there. But then, like, the last moments of the film are him saying, I got this uh, pass to go up to the World Trade Center observation deck, and it doesn't have an expiration date. It says forever written in it. And then it just, that's the last thing, line of the movie. And then it fades to black, and the towers, like, glow. And I, I don't know, it, it just, I think there's something that is being said there. I think it's, you know, a, a poignant reminder, I guess, of what happened. But in, it, it, I guess I'm getting these really mixed messages from what the film is saying, because the, it, we're really, like, kind of bashing on most of our nationalities, because when the French are in America, everyone's really rude to them. Um, but then you have these Americans that are not portrayed ent entirely helpfully either. And then we have the World Trade Center being held up as this beacon, the symbol of hope and light and life. And it just kind of, all of those things kind of mixed into some, some really odd tonal things. I'd like to hear your thoughts if you have any about that. I'd, I'd say in many ways it comes off kind of as a, I mean, it, it does have that love letter to New York type of feel to yes, it. Yes, yeah. Uh, much like Woody Allen's Manhattan. Uh, uh, however, here I think it just comes off very, very heavy-handed. Yeah. In extremely yeah. ways. Well, yeah, because yeah. you mentioned the last line, and it said an expiration date forever, but then there's that pause, and you see it gets really, really sad, and then that's, you yeah. know, then it fades. Because it's, yeah. like, it's like, we don't want to say it, but here it is, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like the elephant and, in the room. And, 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 it, and the, the movie, I think, does send some extremely mixed messages about whether America's really good or not. Yeah. Because it really doesn't talk, they don't really talk talk about America very much. They talk yeah. about the World Trade Center specifically, but with mm -hmm. that being, especially in the 21st century, uh, you know, uh, like an old kind of monument uh, to what America stands for, it's kind of confusing because yeah. mm -hmm. they don't talk about Americans. They get over here, Americans are all a bunch of bumbling buffoons except for the crooks yeah, who are exactly. all the good guys. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, 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 like they go in to just to buy a radio and the guy happens to be, speak French and he's like, they're like, listen, we're, cause they, speak, they, say, they say a bunch of things in French like, I don't want the police to pick us up and he's like, oh, you think you're the only ones who speak French? I don't mind bank robbery. And I was yeah. like, Okay, so the, so the crooks are the good guys in the, yeah, in the they, city, right? And they round, round up the potheads, which I'm not bagging on people that smoke pot, but, like, they, you know, there is a portrayal of a negative stereotype about people that indulge in said behaviors. And then then the last guy who's, like, he works for the man, you know, it's like, corporate dude, but he's, like, a secret anarchist himself. He's gonna destroy the man from the inside, <laughs> you know? Like, that, I mean, yeah, all of the... You know, and then the cops are the ones that are totally gonna like cut the wire with him on it, or like messing him up with the helicopter floating around him, and it's just like all oh, this baddie stuff. This movie gets a pass in some ways for being historical, and I, 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 yeah, I having not I seen the documentary Man yeah. on the Wire or, yeah. or or read the historical context, I want to know what's how much of this is, is, dramatized. is dramatized. Not because the fact that he runs into the dude in the World Trade Center's on the elevator, I'm like. If this is historically accurate, it's brilliant, and it's just it just proves how freaking amazing life is. If it's not, this is the biggest case of deus ex machina yeah. ever. Oh, I just happened to stumble upon this inside man who happened to have been there when he saw me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. It was just a scene. Yeah, so convenient. Very convenient. Yeah. So um, that's about all of my thoughts I have on this movie um, in regarding you know nationalities and portrayal of said things in in this film. Well, very good, Miss Alexandra Bohannon. I thought you raised some very good points. Mr. Caleb Masters, what do you think? You know, I, I really enjoyable movie. Uh, Alex's point, I'd argue, if you're going to see this definitively, 
IMAX matinee, guys. This is what matinees are made for. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Thus saith the voice of the matinee cinema. <laughs> uh, you know, th- this is great. It's, it's, there's a lot of problems with the movie. I, I thought the first act was a total, it, it was a total train wreck. Like, mm-hmm. it, if, it, if I wasn't so fascinated by the premise and knowing that there was something exciting that was going to happen, I would have checked out because mm-hmm. not only was the framing narrative extremely frustrating and annoying and, and almost kind of, uh, you know, schmaltzy. Like, like, like it, it just, it was confusing. So he was like in the present and then he, then he would go to the framing device and then he would jump to a different point in time. And initially I was like, wait, is what I'm seeing now before or after what we already saw, you know, cause he's like, let's go back to the beginning and then let's go back to the beginning again. And I'm like, I'm, I'm so confused about what's going on. And then not to mention the introduction of a lot of the characters was really, really sloppy. I, I thought once you got to act two, once they, he actually went to New York for the first time, he met his girl, he had met his mentor and that all those balls were rolling pace was tight i loved it it felt like it was in a movie uh and i was totally in as far as like just being engaged the entire time but yeah really rough first act uh overall though i mean jgl pulled off the french accent i have to say overall yeah yeah i was really concerned going into that uh Mm. just because americans doing bad accents in movies uh don't want to mention any names but black mass uh you know it might it it comes across as a little uh, distracting and I also liked that they had they were able to justify in the story as to why they're speaking so much English because yeah, that is very I like important. That. They because I that is a big pet peeve of mine. It's like we're in this foreign country, but now we're just speaking English with that with that as the accent, whereas we should be this should be a foreign language film. But by um, JGL being like, I need to practice my English because I'm going to New York. Wow, that makes sense why everyone's speaking English. But then the fact that they slip into French really fluidly and then out again. And then sometimes they just speak in French and it's implicit from the tone of voice and, you know, the actions occurring, what they're saying, you know, and they don't need to subtitle it at all. And I really appreciated that approach to, um, you know, handling foreign language in a way that didn't make it feel like I'm just a, a stupid American that only knows one ang- one language because I am. But they, like, you know, they treated it so that I feel like other audiences could enjoy it as well and not be just like, really, they're doing this kind of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, a point once you get to the, the climax where he's on the World Trade Center, man, this is intense stuff. I don't have vertigo. I've never had vertigo in my life. I mean, I find heights nerve-wracking, but not... I've never been afraid of heights. But man... Even though, you, if you know the history, you know what's going to go down, it doesn't make it any less intense. I, I was, it was on pins and needles, and then they just did what Hollywood does and they made it that much more intense by every time, like, just, just playing off your, playing off how you felt things were going to play out. You're like, okay, well, he just walked it, okay, cool. Oh, he's going to go back. Okay, oh, well, that's a bad idea. And then they just keep pushing it and pushing it. And by the time, you know, he does it the fifth or sixth time, you're just like, all right, man, it's good. You're good. Just, just get off. Just get off. And then, and then you know, it's... can I spoil it? Well, we've been spo- I've been spoiling it. Dear listener, this this movie is about a story that happened about 40 years ago, so I don't and think spoilers can happen. And there's a documentary about it. Yeah, so we're not going to be spoiling anything here for you. Okay, well, he, it doesn't, it's not until he has the divine intervention of God in the form of a dove that comes to him and says, hey, maybe you should get off this thing because it's about to fall, that he's like, I think I should do that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it was it was really good though, uh, really intense. I, it, and I liked the the things that we've seen from Zeminkus with his kind of quirky sense of humor, his uh, kind of uh, I don't know quirky sense of humor, those funny little one liners he just slips in, made it a lot of fun and kind of. Uh, as far as analysis go goes, uh, you know this movie 
a lot like uh, the last movie I, I guest hosted when, we, when you guys went to the, the talkies last time when we did Everest. I thought there was a similar theme of why do we do crazy stuff? <laughs> now, in Everest, it was a bunch of rich guys who just could. And, you know, uh, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, same type of thing. Because he good. But, but, but the difference here, this man had a driving passion. As in, he would not have been satisfied with his existence if he did not walk this wire across in the World Trade Centers. And so the movie uh, has a really neat conversation about the art, uh, the artists and art that they portray and its importance to society. So, in the movie, he's breaking all sorts of laws to, to cross the tower. He's breaking lots of laws, illegal. However, when he's actually doing it, aside from the police who are doing their jobs to try and stop him, Everyone's cheering for him, like, oh, this is so great, you're doing something no one else can do. And, and it's only because he, he, he's only able to make it there because he's driven as an artist. And there's a, a few different lines in the movie that talks about how art uh, is like anarchy. You know, every good artist is an anarchist to some extent, right? Which means is we need things in society to be off sometimes, to make it interesting, to make life inspiring, you know, to, to say, oh, wow. There's these crazy guys who went beyond the law to do something cool. Now, not nothing dangerous. He wasn't hurting anybody. He was just ch- chasing his passion and his vision to the very, very end. Uh, and in doing so, had to break a lot of laws and uh, New York City ordinances to, to do. But I think the movie ultimately is encouraging that the idea that the, that you should go beyond the law as an artist. You should ch- uh, chase your aspirations beyond uh, the you know the the, the confines of the law uh, because ultimately. No one else was doing stuff like this in the movie. They were all just kind of working within in the realm that was laid out for them. Uh, in the case, in this case, in New York City or in France. But but Philippe, <laughs> <laughs> but Philippe went all the way. And I think ultimately this movie is encouraging as artists to continue to to find that thing that that drives you and to chase it to the very end, no matter what anyone says, the law included. Uh, so yeah, I mean that, that I, that's a, really the only analysis I had to bring to the movie at this time. Uh, very good, Mr. Caleb Masters. Thank you very much for that. Uh, what I have to say is I like this movie a lot. Uh, I think it does a lot more right than it does wrong. Mm-hmm. I, uh, as my co-host can attest to, was uh, very nervous and anxious throughout the last part part of the third act as he's traversing the tightrope. And I think that uh, attests a lot to Mr. Zemeckis' uh, direction of the film. And it reminds me a lot of Argo. Uh, even though I knew how Argo would end, every time I watch that stupid movie, I am just anxious waiting for them to get out of the uh, airport. And so I, I, I like this movie a lot. I Performance is fine. The first act is messy. Uh, but once it becomes a heist film, yeah. uh, in, in the second act, I, I'm in love with it. I love the soundtrack. I love the score. Uh, the soundtrack itself is also very good. And so I think it's doing a lot of things very right, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Don't you like how the movie, it starts as like some sort of character piece, then becomes a heist movie, and then becomes like a suspense thriller in the last third of the movie? Yeah. It totally yeah, changed. it's very yeah. fascinating that way. Uh, he is, uh, Zach Mankus is playing a lot with genres. He's also playing a lot with just formalist uh, techniques uh, that he's using in the film. That leads me into my analysis, so thank you very much, Mr. Caleb Masters, um, for that transition. I want to talk about what, what Zemeckis is doing here, because he is a... Uh, purveyor of the classical style that we are all very familiar with where the narrative is keen uh, it's rampant in all of his films going back to back to the future who framed roger rabbit forrest gump castaway his films are all about the narrative and it's telling the story and here he's doing some things to kind of uh subvert that and kind of play with the the mode itself he's uh he brings us in with this this framing narrative which is i think it doesn't work at all i don't like it at all 
Um, so irritating. And I, it, it, it does something which classical film shouldn't do, and it takes you out of the story. And I don't know if that's intentional or not, but I would, I would think not, because I think he's trying to just set up a lot of exposition that doesn't work for us here. Uh, but as the story progresses, we, we, we get this kind of normal film, and then he goes into this black and white thing, and I think it's very beautiful when we first go into oh, France, yeah, and it's black great. and white, and we see splashes of color harkening back to Schindler's List, and the girl with the red jacket, or is that right? Um, that we see there. And it's kind of playing with the medium of the film, and he's doing some different things, kind of uh, take us out of the film. He l speaks in French, which is not common for this type of movie. Normally, as Alex mentioned, we would hear bad accents giving American dialogue. But here he's letting them speak in French and go between uh, different languages, which, again, uh, kind of subverts the classical style. And then he presents us with a lot of still shots, camera shots, as he's setting up the heist and doing the spy work. So he a lot of beautiful, beautiful black and white photography uh, splashed in a montage sequences throughout the middle of the film. And I think he's doing a, a really good job to kind of just... Uh, Hollywood is known for absorbing different artistic elements from different cinemas across the world and different uh, foreign directors, Godard and Truffaut and and Kurosawa, and, and molding that into their own the blob of Hollywood filmmaking. And Zemeckis is kind of an art artist doing that here, um, where he's breaking kind of the rules to use these different techniques to tell his story. And I think it works for the most part outside of that framing narrative, unless it was intentional to take us out of the movie, but I don't know why it would be. And so outside of that, I think he's doing some really cool stuff. Again, I like this movie a lot. And so that leads us right into the next segment, Shelf or Trash, Elser Instead, how would you rate this movie, Miss Alexandra Bohannon? Um, I'm, I'm gonna, trash seems harsh, but, you know, it's part of playing the game. I mean, uh, trash, it's not a must-see for me. It's a good movie, and I enjoyed the time. I'm not upset I saw it, by any means. And, you know, I'll probably write something favorable about it. But if you have to make a hard choice, then I would say trash. Um, if, unless you're like a JGL or Zemeckis fan, then have at it, I guess. Um, in terms of Elsa's, obviously you need to go watch that documentary. I need to go watch the documentary as well. And is it in The Man on the Wire? Man on Wire or Man on the Wire? Man on okay. the Wire. And apparently it's on Netflix, so that's going to be in my queue pretty, uh, pretty quickly there. And then I, I'm pretty, I'm drawing a blank for any other, um, films I would recommend alongside this, to be fair. Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm about I'm about dried up, so maybe uh, my co-host will have a recommendation. And in terms of a rating, I think I'd give it um, five uh, nail and foots out of a possible eight point seven five because that really oh yeah that got me yeah like got me. it was yeah agonizing oh, yeah. and one thing we didn't talk about was how in terms of like formalist stuff I. I don't know if you guys have seen old 3D movies and how they would purposely be like, look, it's a yo-yo! Oh, yeah, this, there was lots of that. There's lots of that. Hey, guys, you're watching a 3D! 3D yeah. glasses! <laughs> there was lots of that in this movie. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of moments where I was, like, I was, like, jumping and ducking away from the screen, and it was very purposeful, like... Look, it's a juggler thingy, and we're tossing it out of the frame. Wow! It just <laughs> I haven't seen something like that in a long time. Because, yeah. uh, like, there are a lot of movies that use 3D in, like, a really subtle, just giving depth and not necessarily that kind of 
Shazam yeah. factor, yeah. <laughs> which I found very fascinating. Anyway, so that's uh, that's about all for me. <laughs> Mr. Kelly Masters, Shell for Trash, and what else were instead? Well, I heard the rumor you guys are cracking down on the uh, shelf and trashers, so I gotta go with Alex uh, on this one. Then, if we're gonna be honest, uh, trash, not because I don't like it. I do. I, I would. I would go see this at a if if I I would go see this at a matinee and yes. not feel guilty about it. Would I ever own this on my shelf? No, no. I wouldn't. Uh, I'd recommend it, but it's definitely not one that's gonna be on, on my shelf. Uh, you know. Elsa instead, I mean, if you're talking about Man on a Wire, I have to, on principle, recommend Man on a Ledge starring Sam Worthington. <laughs> it's not a great movie, but if you want to see a, a, a movie about a man on top of a building, go watch that. Or, if you want to go watch a movie about the World Trade Centers in a more American sentimentalized way, you go check out World Trade Center starring Nicolas Cage. Oh, man. Uh... Yeah, that's about all I got, though, as far as... Uh, I, and of course, uh, I always recommend uh, Zemeckis' other films. I think Flight was a really, really gr- big hit for him a couple of years ago that I would shelf. Uh, and I'd also throw out Castaway as uh, my favorite Zemeckis movie. Yeah. Uh, overall, I would give this uh, probably six mysteriously disappearing stoner heads out of a possible 11 and a half. Yeah. Where, where did you go, man? Dave's not here, man. Did the cops get him? Did he teleport? Did he ascend to heaven? I don't know. He just went away. He was Jesus-like. Yes, oh, he, he ascended and came back as the dove. As the dove! That's exactly. Oh that was the story arc. That was, That's right. That was the story arc for him. Uh, well, I would say I would put this on my shelf. I do enjoy it a lot. I, I really am a fan of uh, Zemeckis and his work. And so this would go up there just out of the collector in me to add it to my shelf. I think it's a very good, it has some very good intense moments. I think it's a fun story in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, I'd shelf it. Um, Else, I would agree with uh, Caleb, check out some of Zemeckis' earlier work. Going back into Alex's analysis, I think there is this thread of kind of covert American cynicism in Zemeckis' early films that people kind of don't realize. Uh, namely with Back to the Future and Forrest Gump, uh, which is super schmaltzy. But I think Zemeckis is saying a lot about America and what America has done in America's culture. And so it's kind of put off by Forrest's eternal love for everything and his pure childish joy. Uh, but it, there's a dark side to Forrest Gump, and I think this also kind of goes along with that, and that's what Alex is catching up on. And so check those out. I'd also recommend Hugo, Life of Pi, and Gravity. Uh, which do a Life lot. Life of Pi, man. That 3D is some of the best I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, just the visual effects in those films kind of match up here. The trade centers don't exist anymore. I know Joseph Gordon-Levin wasn't 110 stories up in the air, but I believed every second of it. Yeah, him. I totally... I forgot. It, like, yeah. Yeah. That, 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 the climax of the movie is a, is a, is a 25 out of 28, 25, yeah. 23. Yeah. It's amazing. And so yeah. those would be my uh, recommends. I would give this probably... Seven Holy Spirit doves alighting on Joseph Gordon-Levitt taking a nap over uh, the city of New York out of, what did I say, seven? I don't remember how many, however many doves I just said out of eight. I don't know. I've already yeah, forgotten. Uh, it's a high amount of doves. Yeah, uh, yeah there are a lot of doves. It's just let it wash over you, dear listener. So, Well, guys, thanks again for uh, joining us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this bonus episode as we talk the walk. Uh, not to be confused with the wire, as me and Alex keep happening to do. <laughs> um, none of the, none of those folks are going to show up from Baltimore. I, I promise you that. Somewhere, Dalton be is turning his head, looking around. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the wire and cross- IMAX. Great crossover. <laughs> somehow, uh, man. Yeah, there's there are a lot of drug deals going on while uh, 
JGL's trying to walk across. So, dear listener, if you're interested in checking out the walk, you can see it uh, in IMAX across the nation on September 30th, and it'll go wide on October 9th. So if you uh, were persuaded one way or the other by our reviews, go, you know, follow your checkbook, follow your wallet, do what you want, uh, but you now know what we think. And thanks again for listening, dear listener. <laughs>